All right, howlers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga. Don't forget to follow us Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email howlerpod at gmail.com. Visit us at howlerpod.com. And don't forget to rate and review us. Five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, I will hit you with a nuke. Not a baby nuke. Full-size Adelania nuke. Mm. And you will straight melt. (laughs) And now, Howlapa. Black clouds ride. Lightning shatters the sky. Atalantia has shattered our jaw with her first punch. Now it's our turn. I lift my sling blade. For the Republic. For Mars. Ride hell. Hello, Howlers. Welcome to HowlerPod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Ow, ow. I'm your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers. Last week, we started Dark Age, so we are continuing our Dark Age reread today. What are we doing today, Aaron? Chapters 6 through 11. Let's go ahead and figure out what happened in these chapters. Let's load up this star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries. Hopefully we don't shit our suits. Or get nuked. Or get nuked. <laughs> or pee in our catheters. I guess if we're in our star shells, we would survive, though, at least. Would we? Daryl did. That's a great point. <laughs> he has like an umbrella. <laughs> chapter six, Lysander, carnivores. Lysander is in Atalantia's meditation chamber, a large garden with stars, and there's like birds and monkeys, and I want one of these quote-unquote meditation chambers, and they are on the uh, battleship, the Anihilo. Ajax and Kalandora are also there, along with a Skype-type business video chat with all the primuses of the remaining houses of the conquering, a.k.a. the biggest and baddest and oldest gold families. Just having a Google Hangout. Google Hangout. (laughs) Oh, you're not a Skype for business fan? (laughs) Through previous rumors, they deduced that Lysander was Cassius's catamite that he had been flying around with. Lysander corrects them, admitting that he was actually his ward. This pisses everyone off because he's admitting to staying with the enemy willfully. It especially pisses off Ajax, who then later punches him. (laughs) Like a nice big brother. (laughs) Diomedes and Serafina enter, and everyone learns of Romulus' death. The core golds are all super disrespectful and can't imagine cooperating with the Rim until Lysander lays it out nice and clear and all... Lysander creepy smart style. They need the ram ships to tip the scales back into their favor. Once the call is done and the core golds are signed off of Google chat, 
Atalantia asks Diomedes to earn her trust by falling in the iron rain. He declines, but Serafina volunteers a volunteer's tribute. <laughs> like a fucking dumbass. Then Lysander, in order to gain trust with Ajax and Atalantia, kneels in front of his aunt and asks permission to fall in the iron rain as well. Atalantia then gives Lysander a creepy long auntie kiss. Auntie. <laughs> auntie. Sorry, in Kansas we say aunt. <laughs> auntie kiss. Uh, and Lysander is finally going to earn his scar, or so he thinks. Chapter 7, Darrow, the Calm. Darrow, Rona, and a bunch of bodyguards arrive at Alexander's location. After tracking the Fear Knight for four weeks with Thraxa, Alexander is a shell of himself. He fell asleep and crashed his bike while tracking Atlas. They lost the Fear Knight in the process and are now faced with the consequences. A forest of bodies erected in front of the city. As the howlers move toward the city, Daryl calls Orion and tells her to start up the storm gods. It's definitely going to go well. I feel like there's got to be like some <laughs> like Dragon Ball Z noise when they start up. I feel like you need the tornado siren or something. Oh, that that would have been a better, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a better analogy. <laughs> Chapter 8, Lysander, the machine. Lysander readies to fall in the iron rain. He stands next to Kalandora at the back of a crowd of fighters. After the whites perform their ceremony, Ajax gives a rousing speech to his legions. Ajax decides that instead of lending rear guard support to the Votum like At Atalantia promised, they are instead going to take Heliopolis. They ready to enter their star shells, and Serafina is standing there clearly excited and Lysander then realizes how she hungers for war. Chapter 9, Darrow, Angelia. Darrow stands before the forest of over 200 men who were impaled on vertical poles and branded by the Fear Knight. Many are still alive, but they may all be booby-trapped, and so they can't risk helping them. Darrow tells them that med ships are on the way and that he will be back soon. The Howlers move into the city's communication center. The building is full of bodies ripped apart and warped by a pathogen, possibly some kind of new bioweapon. They move to the ore refinery where the green marbles is jacked into the central computer. He tells them that some of the mining cities are still connected to the mainframe. Um, they quickly realize Atlas is going to remotely blow up the mine's reactor. They escape on grav boots just in time before the mine explodes and swallows the city, melting all of the impaled soldiers. As the explosions rattle off, the shield above uh, protecting them from Atalantia begins to blink out. Darrow tells Thraxa to go to Kaidon and lead the tank legions. He tells Harnassus to send reinforcements to Tyche. He is headed to Skyhook 11 with Alex and Rona. Operation Tartarus is now live. That chapter reminds me of Chernobyl. <laughs> but like... 20 Chernobyls. <laughs> yeah. All in a row. Like, aka, the the whole planet is fucked. Mm -hmm. I would say we're fucked at this point. I'd say we should leave and go back to Mars and pretend <laughs> that we're all nice to each other. <laughs> if only. <laughs> Chapter 10, Lysander, the ash rain. Let fall the rain. Lysander shoots from his spit tube. It's not like the stories or the Sims. It is utter chaos and fear and death and horror. 
He follows tight on Ajax's heels with Calendora and Serafina at his side. That takes us to chapter 11, Darrow, Red Reach. Darrow and the Howlers make it to Red Reach base, but his army is getting fucked up. Nukes are dropping everywhere and a lot of people are dying. They head for the skyhook and start getting strapped into their star shells. Just as Darrow gets locked into his star shell, he sees the enemy aircraft all making a coordinated maneuver away from Red Reach. A telltale sign that a nuke is incoming. It drops and pretty much disintegrates the entire second army, except for anybody that was behind the shield wall or in a star shell. After the bomb, Darrow tells Callaway to fly to Cadone and tell Thraxa to break off and make for Tyche. Darrow is planning to go directly to Tyche with what's left of the second army and make sure it still stands by the time she gets there. He has Rona and the Legion of Helldivers who operate the Draken Yagers. His remaining Howlers and the Arcosian Knights mount up. Now it's their turn to punch back. He keeps saying they're going to punch back, and then he keeps getting shit on. <laughs> and he's like, now it's time. Wait, now it's time. I mean, they do some they do some damage with the storm. Yes, yes. Yeah. We're ready for the storm, Orion. And the Draken Yagers. Aaron, that takes us to this week's theme, which is... War is hell. It really is. <laughs> a bunch of people get to- totally just straight up melted. <laughs> it seems like it really sucks. And like not just melted, like turned to dust that like you can't even see. Like yeah. they just disappear. Yeah. One thing I was thinking about while I was reading this is just like how all these people are made for war and they're still scared and they're still like this fucking sucks. <laughs> I can't imagine just being a regular person <laughs> and having to go to war. I'm also surprised. I'm not surprised, but also surprised that like they even allow nuclear warfare oh, I know. at all. I had the it's, same thought. It like legit ruins the entire planet for like millions of years. Yeah, and it's just fucked up. So fucked up that you're doing that to people. Or to, and I know, like I know they want to win the war, but there's like other ways to blow everyone up without like totally ruining the planet while you do it. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's like, don't you want to like keep some of it? I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> war is hell. That's our that's our theme this week. <laughs> As always, we have pulled some quotes from the book that illustrate our theme. Aaron, why don't you take the first quote? Okay, so this is when. Darrow and Rona um, come meet Alexander after he had been tracking the fear night for weeks on end without sleep. And he is all haunted and ghostly when they find him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rona says to Alex, you look a ghost, you prime. And Darrow's thinking not long ago, he would have bitten her head clean off with a classist retort. Now he stares at her as if trying to remember who she is. What has he seen out there? So this is just Alexander goes from like one personality to just barely a shadow of mm-hmm. that person just from like four weeks fighting and then, you know, seeing what the fear night does when you fall asleep and lose track of him. Yeah. And this is like Darrow's best soldier right here. And he's just like Thraxus says, they're all just uh, worn down to the bone and clearly has, has taken its toll on them. And like Alexander, as skilled as he is at fighting, he's still young. 
and he hasn't seen all these horrors like Thrax and Darrow have. So like, while it's still horrible to them, they're almost like desensitized when they see the forest of impaled bodies. Darrow's just like, fuck this guy, I'm going to kill him. But yep. he's, not, he's not even like surprised. Whereas Alexander obviously feels responsible for their deaths, which partly he is. But, you know, mostly lack of sleep is to blame. Yep. And our next quote actually speaks exactly to that. Darrow is looking out on the impalement forest, I guess is what we're going to call it. <laughs> I wanted to call it butts and poles, but Ben thought that was too, <laughs> I don't know, not nice enough. <laughs> he's looking at him through the binoculars and he's um, thinking to himself, knowing what I'll see, I put the optics to my eyes. An all too familiar forest has been erected in front of the city. I feel nothing. But then again, I don't smell it yet. <laughs> Good thing we can't smell through a book. Yep. And later on, he's actually walking through that impalement forest. He says, I look at the bodies at their faces. This is why I left Luna. Those glossy peacocks in the Senate read our reports. But the further you are away from it, the more war reads like arithmetic. And past that, it reads like fiction. Past that, it's just an annoying video on your info stream. How could they possibly imagine the anguish on the faces of the dead? How could the mob in the street demanding houndouts ever know on a sensory level that when a human rots, it isn't just the skin that sinks, but the intestines, the stomach, the liver? How could they know the weird tremble of the soul when you realize there is no civilization? There's just a lock on a box. That is terrifying. Yes, and that's like, it also kind of speaks to, I think, a lot of our own experience where we see stuff horrible stuff happen on the news or on social media and it never really seems real that that really affected me when i was reading it i was like oh i do that all the time where it's like i just see something awful and then i just kind of like go right past it um just like on a daily scroll or whatever well yeah i think pierce definitely is drawing a lot of this thought process that darrow's having from our own lives mm-hmm. you know like the new all the news really is is like everything that's terrible <laughs> in the world, which like it's important to see, but at the same time you, you do get desensitized to it. For so sure. you know, yep. I think he's definitely speaking truths that go beyond our little book here. Mm-hmm. And then um moving on from Darrow and the butts on poles. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> It's just so horrible. I have to make it funny. <laughs> oh, man. Good thing they all get melted real, real quick. Like, yeah. Then yeah, they're they, little kebabs. At least they don't have to suffer for very much longer. Oh, man. I'm not sure. If, if these were real people, better, I'd be going straight to hell because I just called them kebabs. <laughs> Hey, if you like Pierce Brown, you like have to <laughs> be able to joke about you really do like the have. worst kind of death. I'm just so excited to see this in TV show format. <laughs> this is going to be harder to watch. If Dark Age ever makes it to TV, I don't know. That's going to be so intense. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to like take some Xanax before I watch <laughs> yeah. it. Just chill the fuck out. All right. Now we're moving on to uh, big old Lysander here, mm-hmm. about to get his big boy bed. <laughs> his big boy bed. 
<laughs> you know when you like move from your crib to your. <laughs> he was like a race car, and now he's getting a regular bed. Yeah, he's like <laughs> a regular twin size bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is when he's prepping to fall in the rain, and Pytha is with him, and she says, "You're going to die." And Lysander thinks it's easy to believe her to be ingested by the military machine is to see the last hidden gear of the world. All is loud yet lonely, chaos yet order, functional yet dirty, fast yet slow. All is big except you. So this is a really cool perspective because uh, when, when we're with Daryl, when he's fighting, he's larger than life and like sways the way battles go right but this is lysander's first fight and he's not an essential character at all in mm-hmm. fact he's like in he's literally standing at the back and nobody knows who he yeah. is yep. so it's it's cool to see this other perspective yeah the cog and the machine instead of the person that's driving the whole thing right yep and i i love i love what you said there because he does talk about that later on like how much respect he has for figures like Darrow or Apollonius that can like turn the tide of a battle once it started. He's like that. That just take would like take like a monstrous will, especially uh, after he sees the chaos. Yeah, like like literally, shit is just blowing up left and right, right. and it's hard to even like see what's happening. And this, I really do appreciate Lysander's perspective a lot, and he's just always so good at like analytically breaking this stuff down and. He's always he's such a good describer of things. He's like a little robot. (laughs) I I just love that all his descriptions are great. And so he's talking about um, being in the Iron Rain. And uh, he says, when falls the rain, be brave. My grandfather said, I do not feel brave. I am not the center of this symphony. No one even cares. I'm here. Where is the immortal majesty? The poets promised me. Where is the stern will? My ancestors preached to their children. It was just an illusion conjured by fools who never left their libraries or by agents of necessity. This is the noble lie. Every frayed nerve, every quaking cell screams in horror, urging me to crawl out of the tube to escape this insanity. Is a man a coward if he realizes that bravery is just a myth the old tell the young so they line up for the meat grinder? So this is good to see that Lysander isn't just, you know, buying into all the hype kind of like Ajax or even Apollonius, mm-hmm. these people who see war as a, and Serafina too, they see war as an opportunity for like glory and honor and honor and death. And Lysander's like, nah, this is fucked up. Like, and terrifying. This is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. We're all just going to die for no reason. Like, it's chaos. I love that Darrow has that perspective a lot of the time too. They're both, uh, obviously like, we don't, see inside Apple's head or Ajax's head, but it's easy to kind of assume that they're not having these like introspective thoughts whilst yeah. almost shooting to their death. Seraphina's not. She's like definitely, ha- she's like horny for war. Yeah, she's like a scary, have you ever had a cat like follow you around like ready to pounce on you? <laughs> yeah. Just like who Seraphina is and you're just like, get, get away from me. That's why it's so funny what's going to happen to her in the next pod. <laughs> funny. <laughs> Damn. Ben's going cold. <laughs> For Serafina, I don't give a shit. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is all, you know, illustrating war is hell and also illustrating 
that Ben is cold-blooded. <laughs> <laughs> but we are seeing, um, we're getting some good points from Lysander about how fucked up war really is. That's uh, one thing you can always appreciate about Lysander, I feel like, because he always has perspective. Sometimes it can be a little warped, but he does generally have like much more of a grasp on reality <laughs> than like a lot of the other characters, it seems like. Well, at this, in this moment, I don't yeah. know. He's not always uh, running on the same reality For sure. as some of us. Space, well, it just, yeah. Space racist. Yeah, he's able to just see things for the way they are a lot a lot of the time, I feel like. But yeah, like you said, he does have those moments where, especially when it comes to like Gold's owning society and being the the shepherds for humanity that the are shepherds. a little, little weird. <laughs> so one more Lysander quote, and this kind of emphasizes my point about nukes being a bad plan, big bombs being a bad plan. Lysander says, uh, the horizon toward which we fly is a holocaust of artillery. The concentrated firepower of the Ash Armada bludgeons the thousand kilometer wide breach. Particle beams divide reality. Mushrooms bloom on the surface. In all the war, no one has used more atomics than this. I am horrified. The atomics drop on depopulized zones, but the fallout will kill thousands before it is scrubbed and meds distributed. Maybe more. Horrible, horrible weapons. Y'all need to stop. <laughs> you need to shake hands and, you know, stab each other in the back like civilized golds. <laughs> yes, we need some dueling. We need more dueling. Less nuking. Less baby nukes <laughs> and mama nukes. More dueling. Speaking of nukes, our next couple quotes are in regards to the nuke that the, gets dropped on Red Reach. The mama nuke. Yes. Um, so Darrow is first, he's kind of talking about how the blue pilots basically shield their brothers on the ground. So he says a blue shield of sacrifice protects their brothers on the ground. They disappear by the dozens, careless of enemy fighters, hunting nothing but the falling missiles. In a way, it is beautiful. and every other way, it is horrible to watch. Mostly horrible. So these planes are like flying around and they're trying to catch the nukes before they hit the ground, basically, right. to save everybody. And so finally, one makes it through, and they're not able to get it shot down prior to uh, it falling on the base. And Darrow describes the uh, explosion. He says, primordial light, intense, tiny, like the pupil of a god, followed by a second expanding flash, so brilliant and vast, it makes my eyelids transparent and reveals every bone, joint, and blood vessel in the red pit man stuck outside my canopy. I see the x-rayed bones of a dozen others through their flesh. A curled engineer makes a silhouette transparent like the image of a fetus asleep in the womb. A million, ta a million men, tanks, and arms to ash. <laughs> That's like people just being disintegrated. Uh, What's that song? In the flash, just from the heat of the bomb. It's wild. It's fucked up is what it is. It's, it's really fucked up. That, the first time I read that, I just remember being like, holy moly, this is fucking intense. Like, yeah, and we like... This is chapter 11. <laughs> don't forget, <laughs> 1940s, we were dropping little tester nukes. Well, we also... 
actually drop nukes on human beings. I know. I'm just saying, <laughs> compared to these, <laughs> yeah. these were these were not mama nukes. No, if you think about that, like the fact that these have been dropped on humans in real life, it's in very, life. it's very, very sad and super fucked up. Yeah, and not to mention in Dark Age, they talk about distributing the meds. We don't have those meds that eradicate the um cancer that you get from mm-hmm. all this nuclear fallout so mm-hmm. you know it's not gonna go well <laughs> if anyone ever <laughs> decides to actually do this again i think that's safe to say so great good job pierce you killed more people in these few chapters than i think you've killed in the whole book series yeah that takes us to our next segment which is who died today and it's uh, pretty much the entire second army Let's just open a whole case of beer and pour <laughs> all the beer out to pour one out for our homies. Yeah, there's a million people died. Just and like more people are about to die. In like three paragraphs. <laughs> we of course lost the red pitman who <laughs> yes. literally turned into nothing. He had a tough that was just a rough go. We of course melted the butt pole peeps. Could you imagine being that red pit guy and just be like Man, I get to, I get to hook Daryl up into his star shell. This is gonna be awesome. It's like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> well, the worst part is there were two of them, and his buddy is the one who locked him in there, and then his buddy runs away. It's like, really, Dave? <laughs> I named just him leaving me hanging, literally off hanging. the star shell. <laughs> I, I named him Dave. <laughs> Hey, I hope Dave feels bad. <laughs> I hope he at least made it behind that shield wall. Did the people behind there even live? Who knows? Yeah, they did uh, because they are operating the Drocking Yagers. Yagers. Yager bombs. Whatever. It's funny because now that I've read Dark Age, I remember at this point I was like, oh no. Now I'm just like, this is not even close to what the oh, worst. Yeah, this is just a We're just little, warming up here. Yep, we'll chip off the iceberg here. That's it. We're just getting revved <laughs> up to kill some more peeps. And on that note, that brings us to the Prime Five. Which is five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters. First on our Prime Five list, we have some fun Atalantia stuff this week. Quote unquote fun. <laughs> I thought it was fun. I really enjoyed the part where she was giving the Moonies like a bunch of shit. Like when Diomedes came out and she's like, ooh, tell me more. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, she's being a bitch. She's like just teasing the shit out of him. Well, then they all like make fun of Romulus, which is just. That sucked. That part sucked. Which is just so rude. That can really you, did make me can so you mad. Even, can you believe? Yeah. Can you even believe? There was a really good description that. Pierce had, and this is our first gotta take a drink because Pierce is a great writer of the Dark Age pods. Oh, yeah. Drink your feelings away. <laughs> so this moment is when Lysander comes into her chambers for the first time so he's seeing all the, like, the tropical shit. There's monkeys and snakes and whatnot. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. She sees him and then the description says, beneath heavy lids, her eyes flash like match heads. They search my face, the room, for more fuel to burn. They fall on my vestments and dance with fire. Dear child, I do say your fashion seems to have become rather bleak. 
I just love like that description of like her eyes like searching for something that she can like, like latch onto. On. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's also in that moment it's a moment of deflection cuz she isn't trying to talk about her dad getting burnt up. Right. Yeah. So she's like, "Oh, my dad died. Yeah, but you look like shit, Lysander. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about that." <laughs> So we got to know Atlantia a little bit. Um, I like that she was teasing the Moonies until they went too far with the Romulus thing. That was just over the line. And you're like, whoa, let's <laughs> let's play fair here. Then we you had goals. some great uh, Pierce writing. I just feel like this is really setting her up as she's like a very formidable opponent for for Darrow. For Darrow. Yeah. And probably for Lysander down the line. Well... <laughs> In bed. <laughs> <laughs> there was some fortune cookie in bed joke. Insert here. <laughs> okay, next up on Prime 5, um, we hear about some pretty cool new tech stuff when we're out in the desert with the howlers. So we are crawling to see Thraxa as she's crouching, looking at the poles at butts, peeps. And uh, Darrow is talking about her wolf cloak that camouflages to the desert. And then he talks about his um, the optics in his eyes that can detect the howler infrared signatures, like specifically. I think in the in the future chapters, you know, we uh, see more of like the cool stuff with the star shells, like with the sandstorm that tears everyone apart. Mm-hmm. And uh the people in the star shells don't get torn apart. And then also with the nuclear blast, like basically the tech is the only thing that can really save you from this war. So mm-hmm. I thought the the camo cloak and the eyeball thing, those were things that I'm going to put on my wish list. I definitely need, yeah, the like chameleon wolf cloak thing. Just so you can like... Fade into the background <laughs> and then look at people's infrared signatures. <laughs> Why isn't that something that I need to do? I don't know. You know, I don't know. Maybe we'll have to go on a secret mission one day. And let's do it. We'll need a fucking chameleon wolf cloak. Well, we will go save Severo. Ooh. You and me. Also, I think it's cool by Pierce to place us. We've we've been to the ice caps. We've been in space. We've been on Mars. We've been in the mines. Now we're like in a totally different climate here in the desert where you need to bring up different um, high tech stuff. So like even though we're so far into these books, we're still learning about the universe and all the cool shit that they have in the future. Right. In our future. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully. Hopefully. Or maybe not hopefully. If Dark Age is where we are headed. (laughs) Also, it's kind of interesting. This is uh, more about like reading into the next chapters, but it is interesting to think about the tech that the Howlers use versus like the tech that the Gorgons and like uh, Atlas uses because it's way different. Right, Um, right, right. They seem to like favor like lighter armor and they can move quicker and that kind of thing. So just kind of interesting to see like it just definitely plays into their tactics both ways. Show thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so next on the list is we have some mystery and some intrigue here. Um, <laughs> intrigue. <laughs> is this a conspiracy? This is uh, we're we're getting close to the conspiracy corner, but not quite. But there. we're not there. Oh, yet. Okay. okay. This is just some interesting, some interesting fodder to talk about. 
Um, so while uh, Atlantia is introducing like the Moonies to all the other old uh, gold, old gold blood, basically. Um, one I'm of sorry. those, those <laughs> Do you know people. What that remind me. Of? What? <laughs> you know that old commercial? <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Old Town Road. <laughs> no, that's your brain. Um, <laughs> the uh, pawn shop, and it's like. We'll buy your old gold jewelry. Mm-hmm. You kept saying old gold. Old gold. Yes, by old gold, I mean like the original OG bloodlines of the, the conquering golds. Yes. Um, so that's all who's left really in the society, and there's not very many of them left. One is Osmodeus uh, Carthii. Sure. Sure. He mentions at one point that Cassius barely escaped Gorgo and his assassins on Ceres. So we know a Gorgo. Oh, I did not pick this up. Yeah. Gorgo is the obsidian enforcer for the Duke of Hands. Yeah, who actually ended up shooting the Duke of Hands right. to get through him to Ephraim. So I think this is our like most um, significant evidence. So there's a direct link between the society and whatever the syndicate and the syndicate queen were up to, don't you think? Well, I I always thought it was the society. I never really? thought it was. Well, Sefi. it feels like they don't know about Abominadrius, though. Oh, did I think it was Abominadrius? No, I, I'm just I'm just saying like. <laughs> what did I think? I was never sure. <laughs> I was never sure if like what the syndicate was up to was purely a creation of. Abominadrius, or if the society was always involved in it and they were kind of responsible for it being what it was. But it sounds like from this, like they definitely were involved. And okay. at one point, um, Atalantia does refer to her agents that spread poison in the en- enemy's citadel. So, and then she says Atlas spreads it uh, to the cradle of their birth. So, those two things would be references to like a traitor in the Citadel. And then we have the Gorgo connection to the Syndicate. And then we also have Atlas spreads it to the cradle of their birth, which would be Mars. And that would be all the shit that's going on with the Obsidians later on in this book. Okay. So this is all kind of foreshadowing that. And it does feel like these are like direct connections for the first time. We can see like society is most likely um, responsible for the kidnapping, Syndicate uprising, all of that shit. Not just Abominadrius. And I wonder if they know about Abominadrius. Well, I thought Abominadrius was responsible for the Box Populites uprising. Right, but that's like it was stoked by the syndicate. So do you think they're all in this together? I don't know. It just seems like... I just feel like the old golds wouldn't be chill with the jackal. You so know? it's like, okay, so... We might have, yeah, that, that's why I don't think either. Like, I don't feel like they know what they're doing. So we've clearly got a connection between the syndicate and Abominadrius between the syndicate queen is Lilith, right? Yes. But I do, yeah, what you're saying is like Abominadrius was clearly manipulating Publius, who then manipulated, used that manipulation to royal up the Vox Populi and start that uprising. Right. So... Is a society responsible for that? Probably not. I would agree with you. But do they know about it? Like, how aware are they of, like, those connections? It seems as if they were trying to have that same end game when they were, uh, in my opinion, 
like kind of stoking Darrow into an iron rain to finish the war and then trying to get him to like turn on the um the Vox by like disobeying his arrest and everything. Right. That was all them and the kidnapping. And so it seems like they're responsible yeah. for that part. It's almost like they were both trying to make Daryl look bad. Right. Which obviously that that makes sense. I mean he is everyone's God. Right. So they have to kill the savior without killing him. Mm-hmm. Kill his reputation. It's just interesting the connections there because it feels like the society, like you said, I don't think they would work with Abominadrius if yeah. they knew that he was alive or whatever. But there are connections between the syndicate and the society going on. So like clearly the society was the ringleader of the kidnapping, which the syndicate executed for them. But then we have this Vox Populi uprising that seems completely manufactured by Abominadrius but benefits the society. So I don't know. Well, maybe Lilith and Atalanta are whispering to each other. Well, that's why I think it uh, sets up for more of like a three-way battle here in the next book instead of like just society versus Republic. I just feel like there's going to be a faction that's led by Abominadrius that's really going to be against both mean sides. A four-way with Volsung Fa. Well, he seems like he's connected to Atlas, and if Atlas is with Atalantia, then I'm assuming he's probably going to fight on their side, but I don't know. It's just a lot of bad guys in one room together. Like, don't right. you think something bad's going to happen? <laughs> like, do you really think you can like all work together? Right. But it's like these little nuggets that Pierce throws in and they're just like these are huge connections um, coming together here for us. And like stuff like, we've been talking about for a year now. It's just like one sentence. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember Gorgo and Cassius? You're like, what the fuck? Right. Gorgo's mm-hmm. back. Yep. And then Atlantia like basically says that she has a trait. She has somebody, a mole in the Citadel. She said her agents spread poison in the enemy Citadel. Looking at you, Holiday. No. <laughs> You're so bad. <laughs> and then Atlas spreads Wait, it to the cradle of their poison bird. as in the poison that kills everyone or the poison that poisons their opinions? See, I don't know at this point. That's what I'm saying is like there seems like I'm assuming it's it's figurative poison and not literal poison. But Okay. Well, there is literal poison. There is literal poison. True. So it's to be remembered. <laughs> this was a long prime five. <laughs> Moving on away from Ben's conspiracies. If you guys have some theories on those uh, ideas or connections, make sure you call into the voicemail and let us know about them. And explain them. And don't forget to say your name so we can be like, what's up? (laughs) Um, Next up on Prime 5, there are some pretty epic pump-up speeches by Ajax and Darrow. Um, I don't know. Darrow's to me are getting kind of old because like <laughs> it's like we're going through the motions at this point. Because you know that he like doesn't believe it because we know his heart, and we're like, okay, Darrow. Like he's like ride hell, and you're like, really? <laughs> I'm not feeling it. He does kind of before he does it. He's like, all right, well, these guys they need another one, uh, don't they? He's yeah, like, he gives all these <laughs> orders, and then everyone's looking at him, and he's like, uh, I guess I gotta I guess. put on. The pizzazz. <laughs> yeah. I guess they I got to get these show. guys pumped up. There's a couple really great moments during these speeches. I really like during Ajax's speech when he's like, when they come, what will they find? And the whole legion just goes, ash. 
<laughs> and then they like uh, go back and forth and they say that a few different times like ash and that's like like their pump up and then they like say all the names like the the old gold what however what is that called the incantation the old where gold you list your incantation enemies. yeah and they list all the enemies um daryl does a similar thing where he's like talking to the Draken Yagers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he like says, ask them a question. And then it comes like, boom, they like, Whoa, all, like, you're going to break the table. <laughs> they hey, all like stop, stomp their feet. Stop getting all Draken Yagery <laughs> on me. Break my house down. I think that with Ajax's speech, I think he believes in his own glory still, whereas Darrow doesn't. So he can like kind of honestly give this pump up speech for his own glory and like believe it. Whereas Darrow like realizes he's just mortal and you know, yeah. can't protect everyone. So I think they're both great for different reasons. So right. yeah, I just, they're, they're really fun. I love that type of shit. Like I'm a, a big fan of like the Braveheart speech when he's just like running around. Freedom! Freedom! <laughs> like I love those, those epic moments like that. And I just feel like there was some great stuff there, especially with the responses. To what the leaders were, <laughs> leaders were yelling. I thought that was so badass. It gave me like goosebumps. I hate like the Ash Legions and all of that shit, but that's pretty dope. <laughs> like, You're like, I want to be on that team. <laughs> Too bad they're what all. What will they find? Ash. Ash. How do you? Ash. 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 <laughs> you would definitely be the one ruining it <laughs> with your booty mix songs. <laughs> Um, I do have to disagree with you a little bit on Darrow's speech, though. Like, I was, I could tell he was kind of like, all right, I'm going through the motions. But I remember the first time I read that, like, I was so devastated at that moment because I thought he was like, lo- like, he was losing so bad. Like, when he's like, for the Republic, for Mars, ride hell. I'm just like, yeah! Like, do it. Let's all die together. <laughs> he can still get me, I guess. That's good. I'm a sucker. I just, you know, I'm more, I'm listening more uh, into Darrow's heart. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not to his words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the last item on the prime five list, I, I want to like point out all these moments where Lysander uses the mind's eye, just because I feel like that was one of the major criticisms of the book. And so I feel like mm-hmm. it's something that we should talk about a lot here. Yeah. So he actually doesn't really like using the mind's eye. He actually says that and one of the reasons he doesn't like it is because it reminds him of octavia so much and she's a horrible grandma yeah he's really starting to kind of turn on her even though he like still uses a lot of her advice and stuff so it's really interesting well she was a a, you know person who successfully held on to power for a very long time right and just a giant influence on him so um yeah he states that he hasn't used the mind's eye since we last saw him use it um in iron gold on the rim when he was scared. Right. He ha- also tries to slip into it and then has like a distorted kind of memory flashback during his slipping into the mind's eye process, which is interesting. It feels like maybe his brain might be short circuiting a little bit or something like that. Or there's just like those repressed memories at some point. I wonder if he's going to be able to access them or, or you what. Better. This better not be another tongueless situation. <laughs> Where we never have an answer. No, I'm pretty sure we'll get an answer. Lots of all the answers we want on Lysander with how, mu- how much of a major role he's got to play. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. What does uh, Ajax call the mind's eye? 
the mind hole, the brain, ear hole, brain hole, brain hole. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> just he's just such a dick. He really is. Yeah. So during Lysander's, when he's trying to go into the mind's eye, the flashback that he has is says says that his memory sputters, invaded by another. Curtains waver like guttering candle flames. I'm walking down a hall toward a black door etched with a single phrase. Music tinkles behind the door. There is laughter. But as I reach forward with my little hand to push it open, I am swallowed by shadows. So I feel like Ooh. we're going to revisit that memory at some point. Like, what does yeah. his little hand open? Yeah, like he opens the door. Who's behind it? It's got to be his mom. Obviously, if there's music playing, it's probably her. But like, who else is in there maybe? You know, like, could it be like Fitchner or something? You know, like wild oh. like that you know like that, you know? that'd be fun <laughs> wouldn't that be fun how fun would that be let's do it but i just thought that was really interesting and every time he he does this the mind's eye has just become such an important thing like like you said ajax is talking about it obviously it's something that we learned that apollonius wants from him lysander says that he's the sole inheritor so so we'll see mm-hmm. and maybe he will pass it on to apple it feels like it's going to play a major part of the next book still. So Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Now that we've uh, finished our Prime 5, it's time to name our Primus of the Week, where we choose the one character who conquered our Proctors of Plot and rose above the rest. Our Primus of the Week is... Man, a dark book, and we're having two bad guys to start out as our winners here. Because who, who is it? The Primus of the Week is Atlas. The butt night. <laughs> the pole, the pole butt night. Yes, the fear night himself. The reason he won is because he's the one who fucked everything up for Darrow and really opened up the whole shield in order for Atalantia to drop those mama nukes. Mama nukes. Yeah, so he saw Daryl's trap, basically. Um, and then he also knew some information about like the setup of the planet that Daryl didn't know that allowed him to set off chain reaction uh, right, of the, nuclear reactors. The ghost in the machine right. with the... Uh, the hard lines or the whatever. The hard lines. And he was able to take down a section of the shielding, which then resulted in a massive invasion oh. by Atlantia. He also uh, snuck away from Alexander, got away from the Howlers, which is pretty hard to do. Yeah. Given they didn't have Severo, but without Severo, they're still pretty awesome. He got away from them and was able to torture and display all of Darrow's men. And then also they killed all those prisoners in the um, city center right. where they like tore each other up with a new yeah. bioweapon. We so don't want to make him a winner for impaling like 200 people. I'm just saying like... It's he, part of it though. As, you know, war games go, <laughs> yeah. he's definitely beating Darrow at this point. Yeah, and he will continue to do that as we will see down the line here. Uh, <laughs> we d- <laughs> This isn't like a you pee on something you win. Yeah. <laughs> this is like a strategic... Yeah. You know, he he did get the upper hand and he did open that gate for Atalantia. Mm-hmm. So bad guys, of course, bad guys would win in Dark Age. Yeah, it's not surprising that our bad guys have started off with our first two primuses of the week. But maybe Probably. things will turn around next week for I the good guys. I bet more bad guys might win. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. 
All right, now we're going to move on to our newest segment, the Howler Voicemail. Don't forget to call us at 1-800-516-1540. Nice memory, Ben. And again, that uh, when you call, it goes straight to voicemail. Don't worry. We won't actually talk to you. <laughs> yeah, don't be afraid. For those of you who are, actually answer the phone. <laughs> who are phone shy. <laughs> Today's voicemail is... From Deanie B, our resident meme maker. Meme lord. Meme lord. He, he sends us more memes than I could ever think of <laughs> in my lifetime. It's quite convenient. Thank you, Deanie, for all the memes. Let's listen up. Hello, Howlers 2 and 3. This is Brian from Red Bank, New Jersey. Although anyone following you on social media might know me better as Deanie B. I appreciate you sharing so many of my memes with everyone. Quick question. Which character do you wish had their own podcast? And what would you want it to be about? Personally, I would love it if Capex had a podcast where he read bedtime stories. He could call it The Fox Says Goodnight. Love to hear your picks. Keep up the good work, and I'll be sure to keep the memes coming. Thanks. Wow, thanks, Deanie. Uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you for calling us Howlers 2 and 3. That was my favorite part oh, of the voicemail. I'm, I'm 2. <laughs> That's fine. I'll take 3. I'm 2. <laughs> just because me and Piers are best friends. <laughs> In my mind. Yeah, Piers, I'm not sure Pierce knows that, but we are. He'll know. One day. He will know. <laughs> you can be too, because this was all your idea, and you introduced me to the book. So I've, I'm obviously three. Okay, yeah, I'll take three it. is me. <laughs> I won't argue with that. <laughs> okay, Howler <laughs> two. <laughs> I bet others might contest this statement. So okay, who who do you want to do their own podcast or story time? From Red Rising World. From Red Rising, obviously. Yeah. Kavox is a, a great idea. Yeah. I would listen to that. Yeah. I probably wouldn't. It wouldn't be a good bedtime story because it would get me all like excited. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He would be the best storyteller. I would love, obviously, for Virginia to do like. What would her podcast be about? Virginia could do one on um, women in business. <laughs> And like women who like rule the fucking world, and she could interview <laughs> Beyonce and Lizzo. Okay, so she's or- she's like interviewing other powerful Queen, women. Queen Elizabeth, yeah. obviously. I like it. Sounds like a hit podcast. You know, Michelle Obama, just mm-hmm. all the all the women. J.K. Rowling. Anyways, yeah, I could keep listing powerful <laughs> women, but um, the best part is thinking of the the woman who narrates her voice on the audiobooks. Mm-hmm. It's just like the most buttery, gorgeous, yummy voice. <laughs> and that's how Virginia now sounds to me. So it'd be a great voice. That sounds like it's going to like ASMR levels. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to scratch welcome, the mic. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm going to be scratching <laughs> some chips. <laughs> We're clearly big <laughs> Did you watch the, you know, Tan France from Queer Eye? Mm -hmm. He does like try things on the internet thing on YouTube and he like tries ASMR. It's actually pretty good because he has a nice like British voice, but (laughs) it's really funny. It's really funny to watch other people try to do it. I knew this person that would listen to or watch videos, ASMR videos of people eating food. I can't stand the sound. You know, when John eats an apple, I almost. (laughs) 
strangle him. <laughs> I was just like, that's the weirdest thing that I've ever heard. That's the worst sound. Apparently it calms her down. I don't know. Whatever. All right. What about you, Ben? Who would you want to So I love that? podcasts with like comedians talking to each other and just like telling stories. So I'm going to choose two characters. I want Severo and I want Ragnar. And I just want them just telling stories to each other back and forth like, oh, remember that time we were on Pluto? And then, you know, like Ragnar comes in. Are you his- a god? <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, that was the time we were on Europa. I'm talking about the time we were on Pluto. And I just want to hear them just tell all their howler stories for like the nine months that Daryl wasn't around. Except that'd probably be like real sad boy shit, but just the times they would be having fun. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to hear jokes. Yes. You want to hear several getting thrown. Yes. And Ragnar eating his candy. Right. I just want the two of them to have like a comedy podcast together. Too bad everyone dies <laughs> or gets imprisoned. <laughs> Mine at least could be happy in the end. Just mine's saying. mine's happy. It'd be happy for the times that they're there. <laughs> that would be good. Yeah. Ragnar has a nice bold voice as we know right so they have a good dynamic like some of my favorite parts of morningstar were just the two of them like sniping back and forth with each other i love it they had clearly you know like developed a great rapport during the time that daryl was gone in a box and you can't have daryl there because daryl's just too sad and like too serious he's really a dark cloud (laughs) he He really is He's got a lot on his mind. He's got to save an entire solar system. Why don't we stay in Tino's, <laughs> not save anyone, and just have a podcast? Exactly. Let's, That's what it is. Let's it do would that. be the Tino's like hour where it's just Ragnar and Severo just, you know, distributing it. Tino's time. Tino's time. Yeah. Just telling everybody, just like distributing it to all the Reds and the Tino's. They're like, it's the hottest podcast on Tino's. It's the only and one. <laughs> it's kind of like our podcast. <laughs> it's the hottest Red Rising podcast. We are the hottest Red Rising podcast around. In the world. In the entire <laughs> world. In the universe. Heller one and two and three <laughs> all together at last. <laughs> okay. That wasn't weird at all. That wasn't creepy. I'm not creepy. You're creepy. And that takes us to Howler Q&A. We have a question from Nick Brindlow in england you talk like you're from london <laughs> should, do, should i give this to you so that you can uh read this in an english accent a terrible english accent well i don't i don't want to offend anyone yeah i don't either poor nick's probably like <laughs> he said loving the show here in rainy england quick question in dark age diomedes and seraphina are treated incredibly disrespectfully Soon after, she is killed on mission, and her brother spends several days looking for her body. Why do you think the Rem would then collaborate so quickly, considering that, at best, they would be considered second-class allies by the core remnant, especially following the return of Lysander? Do you think they are actually playing a different game beyond their espoused collaboration with the society and house grimace. Um, well, because Dido is the one really pushing the war and she's actually a Venusian, mm. I don't think that, even though she is Romulus's wife and she's been hardened by the rim, I still feel like she has her own best interests at the forefront of her mind. 
and possibly that has something to do with like returning to Venus. And mm. like maybe she wants the rim and core to be allied so that she can still be queen of uh, the rim and still be Venusian. I don't know. Right. What do you think? I would say they're up to shit because she is pissed about her daughter getting killed. And that happened at the hands of grimmest killers, basically, like Aja and all those people. Um, they're responsible for her daughter getting murdered. And you mean her intestines flopping out of her star shell? No, her... I'm talking about oh. uh, the first daughter on Mars during the triumph. Well, and then now they're also like responsible. Not just um, her daughter, but also the grandpa. Yes. Yeah. Rebus. Yeah. So that happened, you know, during the triumph while they were supposed to be like under protection or whatever, you know. So it does feel like to me, like Dido's probably got a secondary plan there to fuck over whoever she can. Um, also, these that are was like responsible for that. These are iron golds. Like, what else do they do but fuck each other over? Right. Like that's they're always doing that to each other all the time. So I think right now it is an alliance of convenience for the rim, especially with the Grimace clan. Um, they know that they can't really start a war with them yet, but I think that they're trying to kind of give them a false sense of confidence. And they don't want them to know about their superior technology, it sounds like, at all. One of the things that Diomedes says is, like, don't tell them how long it took us to get here. And it feels like Diomedes is definitely up to stuff. He might be up to stuff separately from Dido. Uh, but there's definitely a separate plan there. And it feels like they're in alliance for convenience right now to get rid of Darrow. And then once Darrow, they get rid of Darrow, I think it's back to the old ways. Like, they're still going to want to have rem independence at that point it is interesting to me that like if you were the rim why not do like romulus wanted and just stay out of it and then just wait until everyone kills each other in the core and then like just wait a little longer to make your move yeah it is weird that they're jumping in when they have like the most to lose like the war is still at its height right why not wait for the ashes you know yeah i don't know i'm not sure that they would i think what her plan was like she kind of had to strike when the iron was hot like she had everybody's blood hot in that moment and like that was the moment that she could convince everyone to go to war so she took advantage of it and later on if they have more time to think about it and they see what happens later they might not want to go to war with the core if you know they've eradicated darrow and now they're kind of like back at full strength again that's hard to say um, I also think maybe Atlas could be working with Dido. Yeah. Yeah, he could definitely be involved in the rim somehow, too. I, I, Atlas is just such an enigma. It's hard to tell what he's up to. But he's, he's still a raw. But he's got so many. He's got questions. He's, like, got connections to everybody. Yeah. You know? He's got his little fingers up everyone's butts. <laughs> <laughs> Literally everyone. Everybody. <laughs> Well, thanks for sending that all the way from England. Yeah. You know what's next? What are we into this week? You can go first. Aw, thanks. So I just saw Little Women, the new movie. Oh, nice. Is it good? It's very good. So I've also, I haven't read the book, 
But I've seen a previous movie, and then I've seen the musical more than once. Basically the same thing. And then the... It's as good as the book. I haven't read the book. but uh, I'm just joking. I have no idea. <laughs> you haven't read it? No. You don't read Little Women? No. <laughs> Interesting. But the movie, this movie, was, like, very, very well done. Like, it was, like, you could hear a pin drop in the theater. Everyone was enthralled. And then um, it it was one of those movies that, like, I... I would have been happy for it to just keep going on. Like I was sad that it ended. Mm -hmm. So, and I, I really like period pieces and kind of seeing into the past and, uh, especially little women, you know, it's about how more the middle class lived and the poor and then their connections to like rich families. So it was very good. I cried for like the entire last hour. I'm a crier though, but I could hear sniffles around me. I wasn't the only one. <laughs> Anyways, and if you know the book or the movie, you know I was crying, but it's very good. You should see it. 2019 Little Women. It has um Hermione Granger in it. Yeah, it has a great cast. It has Shirzy. Shirzy. Ronan. I can say Irish names. Florence Pugh's in it. She's really good. Uh-huh. Is she the person from Big Little Lies? The lawyer mom? She's in it. No, she's the girl from Midsommar. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she's very good. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, great cast. You Meryl see Streep's it. in it. I mean, shit. Oh, yeah. Meryl Streep. <laughs> she's so good. I love her. Yeah. She's great. Directed by she's Greta Aunt Gerwig. Marge. So Greta Gerwig's awesome director. Ben, what are you into this week? All right. I'm giving my Rise of Skywalker review. I'm going to try and be as succinct as possible. Spoiler alert for Rise of Skywalker. If you don't want to know anything about the movie, I would skip ahead like a good five minutes probably because I talk about it for a long time. Or just like go to the next episode because who gives a shit? Exactly. Okay. First of all, what I liked, I'll start with the positives. It was a fun movie. Had a very quick pace. Um, For me, there's only one thing that needed to work. And that was Ray and Kylo. And for the most part, that did work. Those were the best parts of the movie. Ray passing the lightsaber to Ben. Amazing. I want to see eight Ben Solo movies. I love him. Also, as you can imagine, Ben loves <laughs> that Kylo Ren's name is Ben. <laughs> I really do. And that almost like ruined the movie Every for time me. Han Solo says Ben, I'm just like, Dad? And then I'm just like, Ugh, <laughs> of course, of course, Ben would get his own name in a Star Wars movie. Like when Leia whispers Ben. Yeah. I literally was like, <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> of course, Ben gets Leia whispering his name. Like, I'm just mad about this, Ben. Yeah. You ruined Star Wars for me. Awesome. With Thanks. your name. Star Wars fans ruined it for me. So that's awesome. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so that's the stuff that i liked now that was it yes i by the way i like really liked the movie but i'm also not like a super in-depth star wars fan okay here's the thing things i didn't like star wars made a fucking marvel movie it's like a marvel movie crossed with an indiana jones movie and i don't care about either one why don't we just make a star wars movie none of the characters actually have a fucking conversation at any point it's just, hey, we need to go do this. Joke, joke, joke. And then a joke. And then, hey, we need to go do this. Joke, then, joke, joke. Yeah, it's more, it's just like, this is so fucking empty and vapid. Vapid. It's just so stupid. And there's no stakes. There's no stakes. There's like the killing Chewie and then the reverse not killing Chewie five minutes later was such a 
freaking cop out. Right. Just kill him. Yes. Just fuck. I love Chewie, but just kill him if you're going to do that. And then the plot just makes absolutely no fucking sense. Like at, <laughs> at all. Like the fucking knife. She, she has to be standing on that exact spot. The Death Star wreckage is on on water, but she like lines it up. And it, like, that's just so fucking dumb. There's got to be a better way to do this stuff. Uh, and, I know, and as an architect, yeah. I was looking at what she was looking at and I was like, what the fuck are you looking at? Exactly. It was like wreckage. I'm like, what lines up? Yeah. I see a lot of structural damage so here. So stupid. <laughs> and it's so stupid that we have to find a freaking knife and then go on like all these adventures, but it's just in the emperor's throne room in a vault. Like that's a very fucking obvious place for the wayfinder to be. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> like we don't need directions to find that. Uh, okay, it's just maybe, so dumb. Maybe hit skip like <laughs> 10 more times. <laughs> and then the last thing, making Ray a Palpatine is awful. Just fucking awful. Uh, the Which that part didn't ma- like make me mad because I honestly didn't remember it. Lightning bolt guy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I was like, oh yeah, lightning bolt guy. Yeah, and if you listen to the writers or directors talk about, it, they're like, his DNA is throughout the entire uh, series, and it's like somebody like Aaron doesn't even know that he fucking existed. That's so true. It's so stupid. <laughs> Uh, and then just like Kylo saying you're a Palpatine that just hits like a freaking wet fart. It's supposed to be like, (laughs) it's supposed to be, I'm your, it's supposed to be the, I am your father moment, but nobody fucking gives a fuck. And yeah, everyone was like, Oh, who wait, uh, we all saw it coming from 8,000 feet away. It's just like, come on Disney. They have no balls, but keep making, keep making Mandalorian. Cause I like that (laughs) shit. I love I love how much you hate Star Wars, but how much I hate Mandalorian. And then like the opposite, like I didn't hate Star Wars and you don't hate the Mandalorian. I just love, I am just thankful for The Last Jedi because it's the last time we're going to get a great Star Wars movie because that person, the dude that made it actually took chances and Disney just, they just want to try and please everybody now and they don't want to actually make any kind of story choices. Marvel movies. Yeah, and now we just get Marvel movies, which are perfectly fine. They're perfectly fine. They're fun, but they're like a piece of gum. Put them in my mouth. I chew on them for two hours, and I spit it out, and I never, ever think about it ever again. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) That's every Marvel movie I've ever seen. Ben is getting... harsh over here i love i like love marvel movies <laughs> they're fun in the moment but like how many times have you rewatched them well i rewatch them when i'm like home alone and like don't really care about what i'm watching exactly <laughs> <laughs> i knew i was proving your point and i like couldn't stop myself so, no there's there's some like i don't know it's perfectly fine if you like it i'm not I don't think you're a what bad I like person most or anything like that. Is as a tall brunette, mm-hmm. I felt like I was Ray. Yeah. And that's what I liked most. Yeah. Is like, that I, I now think I can do backflips and cut wings off of ships with my lightsaber. Right. Also, I kept saying Razor when I was like talking about Star Wars because I'm so engrossed in <laughs> Red Rising. I was like, you know, the her Razor thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want my like displeasure with the film to like ruin it for anybody else. I don't care if you liked it. That's great. I, I would. I like. I'm actually jealous of you for liking it because. I liked it. And for me, like I've got the Last Jedi. I love that movie. I've got all the other movies. I still like this movie. I still had fun. I still teared up at points. Like I still had a good time at the movies. But when I like the more I think about it, the more it just like frustrates me because it's a huge missed opportunity. 
Why don't they let us write Star Wars movies? <laughs> it seems like they let fans write the fucking movie. That's what <laughs> Rise of Skywalker was. They let fucking Reddit boards write it. Yeah. It sounded like me at Conspiracy Corner p- putting together Pierce's <laughs> next book. <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> don't listen to us, Pierce. Okay. Welcome back. If you've skipped ahead, <laughs> I think you should have skipped like a full two minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Okay, so we are into. Well, can we say you're into it, anyways? I ben, am. I'm still into it. Rise of Skywalker. I've Aaron, seen it three times. You've already. You saw it three times. Yeah. You only told me you saw it twice. Yeah. Were I've you ashamed? It. No. Okay. So you, I've saw it once. You saw it. Well, three times and then i saw little women once you should have been taking that third time to watch little women i want to see that movie i'll see it again i loved it i love shit like that okay what are we doing next week next week on howler pod we will be reading dark edge chapters 12 through 17 this will take us to the end of part one wow finally get off mercury we do? Yeah. It's exciting. Well, not at the end of those chapters, but I guess afterwards. Well, we finally move on to Mustang. Yes, we get to go to some Mustang chapters here soon. It'll be soon. Yep. Okay. Uh, don't forget to follow us on the social medias, at HowlerPod on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. We've got some cool shit on Etsy. Um, you missed Christmas, but uh, you can still buy Birthdays. yourself. You know. Well, no, you can use your Christmas money. There you go. To buy yourself a present. There you go. Use that evil grandma money from Octavia <laughs> to get yourself a sweatshirt. Some merch. Uh, don't forget to email us for the Howler Q&A at howlerpod at gmail.com. And leave us a voicemail at 1-800-516-1540. Ask a question. Explain a theory. Tell us about your day give us your own rise of skywalker review oh yeah give us your own little women review (laughs) (laughs) i'm not embarrassed i love the movie shut up ben and of course tell a friend about the podcast and more importantly tell a friend about red rising and pierce brown how he's like the coolest writer this side of the sun in the galaxy i concur Don't forget to rate and review us. Five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, we will release a secret biohazard weapon thing (laughs) and you will tear apart your whole family and pets and and you will die. Grizzly. And you'll be like in the back of your mind, I should have given them five stars (laughs) while you're like chewing on your cat's leg. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Howlers. Omnisphere lupus. Ow. Ow.